You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. I am your host, Chris Spangle. We bring you all of the irreverence modern politics deserves while putting people before political parties. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective with the goal of leaving you better informed. Please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, or subscribe on Patreon at wearelibertarians.com. In exchange for supporting our program, we give you all kinds of bonus content and free stuff. This show is crowdsourced, so you can send us news at editor at wearelibertarians.com or post it in our Facebook group and Discord channel, which you can find at wearelibertarians.com. Please be warned that this show is raw, unedited, and authentic, so the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Again, my name is Chris Spangle. Uh, Joining me here on the program is the Perrier drinking (laughs) Harry Price. You found my stash in there. Yeah, I moved the water jug to fill up my water cup, and I was like, oh, snaps, he's got Perrier. This is what I'm talking about. Now, that's the upgrades that Wall needs. Okay? <laughs> so, uh, you, when when Jason Doolittle was in town, our $100 a month subscriber, Jason Doolittle was in town uh, for his appearance on We Are Libertarians. We went to the Columbia Club. We went to some very fancy places, and he brought you some Perrier water, and I had some. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy heck, this is delicious. And uh, I've realized that the sparkling water, not the LaCroix stuff, but like the good stuff, the Perrier, with mm-hmm. a with a nice quarter lime, mm-hmm. is a delicious replacement for Coca-Cola or any other kind of soda. Isn't it great? It's fantastic. Now, it's been a huge trend, especially with millennials that, uh, <laughs> I hate to use that term, that have gone into the mineral and, and seltzer water right. sort of trend. And it's like, it stinks, but I love it because... I I got into it early on about, I think, over 10 years ago, um, one time during Lent, because I just needed something to replace booze. Right. I needed something, you know, I wanted something crispy to drink, you know, not much soda, whatever. At the time, right. I was still drinking soda at the time, but I wanted something to, you know, replace whiskey. Learning, learning paleo and keto and, like, trying it out and realizing how much better I feel on low-carb diets... Mm-hmm. Drinking a soda just makes me feel like I'm putting sludge in my body. Because you are right, exactly. But uh, so I love that crispiness. So there's your there's your, mm-hmm. uh, your there's your Harry's tip for the week: Perrier water. Yeah, uh, on and soda's fine. Just treat it like the piece of candy or dessert that it is, instead of right. just something to drink. That's exactly right. Don't you don't have to ban things. And if you're trying to lose weight, I've lost a bunch of weight. And the thing that I've done is I've not told myself I can't have something. Mm-hmm. I just say, you can have it, but you shouldn't have it, but nothing's off limits. So if you want a Coke, like I had a Coke with a with a burger and fries earlier mm-hmm. this week. I was like, you know what, I want a burger and fries, I want some Coke, and I drank like not even a quarter of it, because it just didn't taste as good. Right. But it still, I didn't put it off limits, or else, you know, if you prohibit things, Harry, mm-hmm. 
if you if you remove things from your life permanently, mm-hmm. y- you the the urge to seek it out becomes much stronger. So it's almost like prohibition doesn't work, which we will talk about on this show tonight. I'm just shocked that prohibition doesn't work. I know. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, the uh, the Alex Jones removal, uh, the deplatforming of Alex Jones. We're going to talk about Austin Peterson losing. Our friend Brian Nichols is going to call in. We're going to talk about the death penalty, the libertarian view of the death penalty. Uh, so we've got all kinds of great stuff. And on our bonus show, if you want to hear the bonus episode on the Patreon feed, if you become a Patreon of, uh, patron of We Are Libertarians, at wearelibertarians.com, then you'll be able to hear the bonus show, which this week we'll be talking about my adventures to podcast movement and uh, the changes that I'm making to We Are Libertarians in the show. So um, one of the changes is we launched a T-shirt store. Uh, so I have a gift for young Harry Price. Yeah, uh, Harry, this is your very own launch edition, limited edition T-shirt. Limited, limited edition. Yes, and so uh, I am wearing on, if you go to our YouTube channel and check that out, please subscribe, please give us Watch Minute so we can start monetizing the videos, FYI. Um, you can check out, I'm wearing the new logo T-shirt, but Harry got the special launch T-shirt. We sold uh, 30 T-shirts over the course of seven days. Beautiful design that I had done on Upwork, and uh, I think it's really cool. So thank you to everybody who bought a T-shirt. It's very successful. Uh, the store is coming down at the end of the month. We're ending the store on August 31st, so you've got limited time to get those T-shirts. We're going to retool it, maybe redo some of the products, and then, we'll, and then we'll relaunch it. Yeah, it smells like vinegar, but uh, a lot... It's pre-treat. A lot of happy people with their T-shirts. I like this one. I, I think it's it's nice. Uh, so thank you, so thank check you, that out. Uh, so, you know, here, one of the things that I do, so let's get to it. One of the things that I do is a service to the libertarian movement. You know, I'm always servicing the libertarian movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I give and I give and I give. Oh, of course, naturally. Yes, and uh, very generous. And, and in my thoroughness, on Sunday, I was updating we are liber- uh, libertarianpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who don't know, we run a site called libertarianpodcast.com and basically I've got a I've got pretty much every libertarian podcast that I have been able to find. Some that aren't even on the iTunes directory that as have we as we have had people share it as we have shared it, we've found other shows. There's a comprehensive list at the bottom. Up at the top, I've got a whole bunch of the best shows that the reason those guys are up there, they're like us. They're hardworking. They put a lot of effort into their show. They, uh, excuse me, they're professional. <laughs> like so, they adjust their mic right as they're doing their introduction. Uh, they they're long lasting. A lot of good uh, podcast in that upper portion. And uh, as I was, uh, one of the things that I added to the site was an OPML, which you can download, import to your podcatcher, import to your iTunes or whatever. And so I was adding a bunch of feeds. I did mm-hmm. the Libertarian one. There's 121 podcasts on that. And I was doing a mega feed of like 150 pod, like political podcasts. Mm-hmm. And so I was going through the iTunes directory on Sunday, and I couldn't find any of the Alex Jones shows. I thought, this is really weird. So I just tweeted out, you know, hey, Alex Jones isn't in the iTunes directory. Mm-hmm. Little did I know, I was breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> because, like... Nobody was reporting yet that Alex Jones, that I had searched for it a couple hours probably after they had pulled him from the iTunes directory. And so I I initially and still meet this news with horror. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So we are now looking at 15 companies have uh, pulled Alex Jones off of their platforms. Uh, you know, let me just say this outright, out front, so you know exactly where I stand on two issues. Because the screeching that has taken place on our, on our Facebook feed ha- has been unreal. Uh, it has been unbelievable. Uh, if It's like if you complain about something that a, a private company does, there's a group of libertarians who just assume that you're against property rights, which is really weird. Like if I walked out of Applebee's and said Applebee's sucked, mm-hmm. a guy would be standing there going, don't you even believe in property rights? How dare you? Right. I think Applebee should bring back the blondie. You can't tell them what to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're a private company. You can't dump. <sighs> yeah. Yes, they are. And I can complain and say why I hate that. Exactly right. So, yes, I firmly believe in property rights. I firmly believe that Alex Jones, if Apple or one of these 15 companies does not want Alex Jones on their platform. They have every right not to have him on their platform. Mm-hmm. I would not personally host Alex Jones on the We Are Libertarians network. I think that Alex Jones says a lot of things that are... Like, if you listen to Alex Jones, he says an inaccurate thing literally every two minutes. Like, I've, I've, I've been a somewhat consistent listener of his over the last couple of years since Trump won because I want to understand, like, what he's about... And I think he's hilarious. I think he is a, a, a hilarious comedian. It, do I think he is an accurate source of information? No, I do not. I think 50% of it is just bluster and selling vitamins and self-promotion. 25% is just absolutely insane. And 25% is, that's an interesting fact. Let me go look that up. And what you find is when you look it up, he's usually right, but he's got some uh, some basic thing wrong. Yeah, so, uh, jump to the conclusion we other turns that come, and that you get there <laughs> when you watch, you know, when you watch it, Alex Jones, you know, especially when you listen to our content we other turns that come and um, Twitch that we other turns, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, the, the, all that self promotion stuff, but yeah, the the show, the showmanship of it, yeah, yeah. So I I firmly believe that any company has the right. Now here's the thing: if you go into a restaurant. And you are you are walking into a business. There's something called an implied contract. They it's something under common law, where if you walk in, they they are if you hang out and open for business shingle, you reserve the right to, uh, you serve everybody that comes in your doors. But you can change that implied contract at any time. With social media companies, we don't have an implied contract. We have an explicit contract. We have a, ter- a terms of service that we signed, and. So we we are operating under this agreement as users and as a platform. And one problem that I have with what has happened to Alex Jones is that on within the span of about 12 hours when Apple moved on him, he was pulled off of Apple, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, Spotify, LinkedIn, Pinterest, MailChimp, uh Disc Discuss, mm-hmm. looks like Disc Disqueous yeah. a couple days later. Audio Boom, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Sprout Social, and YouPorn, according to InfoWars. <laughs> okay, and when Pinterest, uh, about 24 hours later, pulled him off, I realized, okay, this is a PR stunt. These people are, mm-hmm. these people are trying to get into the press release of companies that did good. Uh, and so what I really want to know, and I have had a conversation with Spreaker because we are on Spreaker, Spotify, um, we are on MailChimp, we are on 
Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, obviously, YouTube. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Stitcher. Uh, we're on YouPorn, actually. I did reserve a channel uh, just for fun. Uh, so if people looked for us there, we did have a channel, but I don't use it. Um, <laughs> but I was actually at Podcast Movement. I met some people from Spreaker, and uh, I was really impressed with their product. And so I was going to go from spending $5 a month with them to around $125 a month for their software and then leave a couple services and consolidate into this really nice software that would have allowed more conversation between you and us during the show. And I just sent back a note and I said to these guys, I mean, I can actually read to you um, what I wrote Um uh, I regret to inform you that I will not be switching services to Spreaker after your decision to remove Alex Jones from your platform. I'm not an Alex Jones fan, but I'm not comfortable doing business with a company that decides what political speech should be heard by an audience. I'd plan to spend $120 a month with you for a long term because I like your product, but I don't want to suffer the same fate. Please pass this on to management. Uh, now, if I can pull this up really quick, I will read what they wrote, and then I'll read my response. Um, sorry, guys. Harry, how was your week? <laughs> it's going great. You know, another company came in. But went to the point of the prohibition thing. Mm-hmm. With the computers that we did the install, a lot of someone questioned and asked, why did I leave the game? Why did I add games to the, the Windows 10 image on the, you know, the company's computers? And I go, well, because if I don't give them games, they will try to get past everything I put in there and have games. These games are downloaded on the ssd right and i know they're safe right play these games yeah you're going to play games i know you're going to all right so they wrote back guy that i talked to at podcast movement perfectly lovely gentleman um you know i really have nothing bad to say about Spreaker. they've been very polite to me they've, mm-hmm. they've got a good product but um you know he wrote back say i'm sorry to hear this our community rules are pr- pretty clear in this regard we verified that the content was clearly spreading hate speech We rarely remove content from our platform since we really care about freedom of speech, but in this case, the infringement was pretty clear. Best. Um, I certainly understand, I write back, and Alex Jones says indefensible things. I personally would not want to host what he says, and I don't blame you. The problem is that the definition of hate speech is a pretty broad and ill-defined term. Did Spreaker identify the exact content that caused them to pull him? What are the rules? When you discuss politics, religion, or current events, you sometimes have to ask unpopular questions. What are the specific rules? As an industry professional that helps set up a lot of podcasts, I have a difficult time recommending your service until this is clearly articulated. When you pull them at the same time as several other companies at the same time, it looks like a PR ploy as opposed to a principled stand. I don't see the point in partnering with a company that has arbitrary standards and will go along with the crowd. Um, so I'm waiting to hear back from them on that. I'd love them to have a good answer to that because I'd love to use their service. Right. But when you have 15 people, 15 companies Mm -hmm. that pull Alex Jones content off of their platform Mm -hmm. at the same time. uh, Right. And it wasn't based on content as far as I can tell, but, but nobody's released what the specific content was, which makes this even murkier. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, you have to go. Okay, are you abiding by the rules that you set out in the agreement that I signed? So when I am partnering with you and I am paying you money if you're Spreaker or using your platform for free like Facebook mm-hmm. or Apple Podcasts, w- what are the rules? 
Right. I need to know the rules. So as a libertarian podcaster, I don't make the same mistake. Because mm-hmm. as Ben Shapiro said, Ben Shapiro doesn't believe in using the, the pronouns, uh, a person's chosen pronouns. Well, that could be considered hate speech to a lot of people in Silicon Valley. And Canada. And Canada. Does Ben Shapiro, uh, is Ben Shapiro spreading hate speech? Could he be deplatformed from all of these companies? Um, so, you know, when Alex Jones is deplatformed from from 15 companies in 24 hours for something that he didn't say last week, that he probably, that it was probably because of things he said three, four, five years ago. Well, I say a lot of things in this podcast I don't believe, I didn't believe five years ago. Mm-hmm. This show has been around six years. There's stuff when I listen back to the episodes 20s, 30s, 40s, I go, I don't believe that anymore. And then there were periods of the show where we were trying to find our voice and figure some things out, and we were a little more offensive than we are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, could we be deplatformed for things that we said that we've done a mea culpa for? So what are the rules? And so if you're going to deplatform people, yes, you have a right to do that, but you also have to honor the contract that we have agreed to, and you have to be very clear and transparent, especially when you're these 15 companies, uh, 15 including Instagram, because mm-hmm. people noticed Alex Jones was on Instagram, so then the blue checkmark mob turned on Instagram and Facebook, and he got pulled from that. Uh, and they're after, uh, you know, so my big problem with this is, yes, the companies have every right to do that. Alex Jones says reprehensible things that cannot be defended. Um, but why did you pull him? How did you pull him? Give us specific examples. So I don't make the same mistake. So I don't suffer the same fate because mm-hmm. it's a very real concern as somebody who does a talk show around current events. Correct. They won't. It's these companies when they do ban people, they never point like, well, it's this tweet, it's this line that they said. One, they like to do it because they like to to live behind their vague terms of service, their rules of a guidance. So when they do go in to ban people, they you know they can hype it like, well, this one, this murky like that. And why the other reason why is like it's also to you know like it's also scary from this effect because. People get hit for different things, but other things get passed, put by. You can watch um, a dead body get hit trending on YouTube. Um, you can watch... Um, Louis Farrakhan is a perfect example of somebody who is an anti-Semite, yeah. who says reprehensible things about a lot of races, mm-hmm. especially Jews, and is blue checkmark verified on Twitter still, still has his Facebook pages, still has an app... Yeah. You know, he doesn't get the same level of hate. There's a lot of Antifa Twitter pages still. Um, there's all kinds of different, um, uh, let's see, let's see, what, what's what that Candace Owens stunt that she did a couple, um, well, yeah, well, like last week. Um, but they go after anyone who does talk political events, um, the frequent event, and talk about hate speech, and they will never really clearly define that, not even on campuses or even laws. So that's why you get a lot of pushback when anyone tries to do anything because it's like, all right, I understand the hateful language you want to talk about, but I just want to know what it is. Yeah, nobody in their right mind, and this is why I don't believe, somebody asked me today, well, what would you have done? And I said, nothing. Because Alex Jones, if you think the Republic is so fragile that a vitamin salesman that yells crazy things is a danger to the Republic of the United States, maybe... 50,000 to 150,000 people actually believe what this guy says in a country of 330 million. You know, he has a lot of listeners, but I think he inflates numbers. Mm-hmm. And he's also, 
entertainment for a lot of us. <laughs> the, the reality is, th- this is my complaint with, this is my beef with the left, is they're creating these panic scenarios. It, 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 all right. Yeah. So I wrote this out, and, and this is a perfect formula for exactly what is happening now. Um, you grow up, you, you start a We Are Libertarians platform, all right? So Harry and I start We Are Libertarians in 2012. You know, back, well, I, he didn't start it. It was me, Galt, and, and Creighton. Uh, Galt will be with us tomorrow night. Uh, and it was a fun thing to do with our friends. And over mm-hmm. the last six years, it's turned into a small business for me. And we're we're growing in popularity. We've grown by five thousand downloads an episode. You know, so we've grown by like what is that? F- nearly four or five times bigger. Uh, mm-hmm. What happens when we grow to the point where we're really having an impact that's politically influential? We get up to the Alex Jones, Ben Shapiro, you know, Pod Save the World type guys, mm-hmm. and. I, being me, get on the wrong side of a leftist BuzzFeed writer someday on Twitter, and he has an axe to grind, basically because I don't believe what this BuzzFeed writer believes. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we have experienced what happens on these ClickMelt sites. So our biggest downloaded episode was an interview with Ron Paul in 2013. It got 114,000 downloads, and it's because he said something about Rand Paul, who was thinking about running for president at that time, that was politically relevant. And I, I uploaded it and tweeted it at a couple of uh, writers. One of them is Oliver Darcy, who uh, remind me about Oliver, <laughs> who, who at the time was working for Blaze. Mm-hmm. And he posted on the Blaze. Then it went to the Daily Caller. Then the Huffington Post picked it up. And then it, then it spread to a ton of other little sites that crashed our website. And so what you have at these clickbait mills in New York, Washington, D.C., and L.A., are a very powerful network of people. And if you get on the wrong side or the right side of one of these blue check marks on Twitter that write for Bustle or the Huffington Post or Refinery29, mm-hmm. you you can you can have a pretty big impact. And if you're like the guy who worked for um what was Nick's Denton site that got closed down, Gawker. Gawker is the one that made Janine Sacco famous, the woman who flew to Africa, made the the racist, the unfortunate racist remark mm-hmm. that was a joke, landed, and her life was over, and it has never been the same since. And that's the kind of power that these that these click mill sites have. And all of the people who work at the at the uh, New York Times or the Washington Post or the Wall Street Journal, all of these media outlets, people who are producers at CNN. They all work in New York. They're all friends with the same journalistic crowd. They may have worked at Refinery29 or BuzzFeed at one point. You know, the K-Files, for instance, he went from BuzzFeed to CNN. And so they're friends with each other on Twitter. They network. You can watch them all day long on Twitter, network with each other. Mm -hmm. And so what they do for their clickbait articles is they find somebody like Alex Jones, who is incredibly outrageous, and they find really funny out-of-context clips and there's a lot of stuff, now let me say this, there's a lot of stuff that Alex Jones says that is in context, that is, is inappropriate. But I think that there, um, that he has kind of become the gun control of modern media. People who don't listen or interact with anything Alex Jones does have an opinion on Alex Jones, 
and it's informed by mainstream media, and they consider him to be extremely dangerous. But if they listen to Alex Jones, they notice what a joke he is. Yeah. And so people have, inf- have, and I've seen libertarians do this too, they spread facts about Alex Jones or general impressions of him that are not completely accurate. There are pieces of him that are absolutely true in these mainstream media reports or these clickbait sites. But if you listen to a show, if you listen to three hours a week of Alex Jones, you don't get the kind of mean character or, you, you know, like it, he's just not as dangerous as everybody thinks he is. Um, but nonetheless, they take the more outrageous parts and they amplify it through this network of blue check marks mm-hmm. on the coasts. And they label it hate speech. They label it whatever they want. Right. But usually it's racist. Here's the top 10 most racist Alex Jones moments. He's a white, you know, all the, all the way to the point that Alex Jones, Howard Dean is now tweeting that Alex Jones is a Nazi. He's not a Nazi, okay? And we do know, like those of us who are not, here's, the, here's why they start with an Alex Jones or they start with a Stormfront. Mm-hmm. It's because you don't want to go, those of us who support Alex Jones, because mm-hmm. I don't support Alex Jones. Right. So we'll go, oh, listen, he's a horrible human being, which is not the right thing to say because all you're doing is just buying into the narrative that isn't even, you're saying something that's untrue. Yeah. The guy's not a horrible human being. He says stuff out loud that he is, uh, that aren't great. So I'm not an Alex Jones supporter, but I'm, I have to say that a lot of the stuff that is said about Alex Jones, you just don't see if you watch his show, if you actually engage in the content. And so, so what happens is it gets labeled hate speech. And eventually this blue checkmark mob, they one-up each other to the point that he's a Nazi. When he's mm-hmm. not a Nazi, he's not a white supremacist. He's just a guy that believes you know, crazy things like 9-11 truth and all that kind of stuff. Um. And so they take this out of out of you know and hate speech becomes the pretense for destroying a business because being a racist, a sexist, or a homophobe strips the victim of the rights in the mind of the accusers. So if you're a racist, then you can do whatever you want. If you, if you that if Harry thinks I'm a racist and he's a liberal writer for mm-hmm. the Washington Post, he doesn't care about me or my rights or what happens to me. I'm an evil person because I'm a racist. And so no one actually fact checks the context, but they run with the story to further the political agenda. Uh, So in this case, the Russian bots, the Russians, the Russians, Donald Trump is president. Everyone's dying. It's the worst thing of of all time. How did he get elected? Russians and fake news. Well, who's the biggest fake news? Alex Jones. Get him. And so they don't fact check it because they're setting a pretense to get rid of the thing that they don't like, which is fake news, which is bullshit which is what we've said from the very beginning it's all a pretense because they're pissed that donald trump won they can't Mm -hmm. believe that hillary clinton lost and it couldn't have been that hillary clinton was bad what's the reason so it must be russians and fake news correct hillary clinton spent two billion dollars in facebook ads or something crazy amount of money and she lost the election but a hundred thousand dollars in russian advertising is somehow the reason that donald trump and, and Twitter bots. Have you ever done anything because someone tweeted something? Right. Has zero influence on you whatsoever. But according to these people, it's how Donald Trump got elected. Um, so then it just becomes consistent harassment. Media, it, it sets a narrative. It sets a, a, a tone that mainstream media then picks up and they run those news stories. They take the clips out of context. And eventually the lie becomes the truth. Mm-hmm. And that is... 
that's the dangerous point. That's the tipping point. Once you get to the mainstream media saying things that are fundamentally untrue, then it's game over. And then people take CNN articles as gospel. They don't actually go and watch Alex Jones. They just believe that the guy hates Nazis. The guy has never, to my knowledge, if I'm wrong, please send it to me, um, at editor at wearelibertarians.com, personally harassed victims of Sandy Hook. Now, he has said unkind things about them because they are now suing him. Mm-hmm. So in recent in the recent months, he's said some things, I think, about that, that, that are not kind. But he's certainly not outside stalking them. Uh, and when you take the – when you are a – when you enter the public sphere mm-hmm. – and this is the crazy thing about it. The idea that, like, Alex Jones gets banned from Facebook for, quote-unquote, bullying Robert Mueller – is the craziest, most fucked up thing I've ever heard in my life. Correct. You Once you start introducing defamation lawsuits into public conversations and you're suing media, and, and listen, Trump's the worst about this, you start to erode free speech or the concept of free speech in a society. And so it's a very dangerous precedent to set that you somehow can't say negative things about a government public official. When that's the exact point of it, <laughs> you know, and so you end up with a platform where only people say nice things about government officials. Um, media outlets outlets run the news stories, taking the clips out of context. Interviewers start to ask CEOs to defend your out of context statements, and so the CEOs like Mark Zuckerberg are on, are on TV or in front of Congress being defend this out of context quote. And they can't. They don't want to. And so you get to platform because they don't want to upset their shareholders, who are their real bosses. Mm-hmm. They don't want to threaten their government subsidies, of which Apple, Google, Facebook get billions of dollars of subsidies and tax breaks from the federal government. Uh, so they're going to do whatever they want. And the real goal of a Facebook, when you when you reach near monopolistic levels like Facebook, Google, Apple, YouTube... The the thing that always happens in historically in these instances is that they they drown out the ability for competition to take them on by helping write legislation. And mm-hmm. we're at that point with these companies where they're willing to sit down with a Mark Warner of Virginia and write the regulations that will govern them, and they write it in their favor and drown out any kind of competition. Yep. And so they're favorable to government. They do things for their shareholders to please their government masters, and that's where we're at. So uh, the the little guy, quote-unquote, like Alex Jones, we are libertarians, Glenn Beck, Ben Shapiro, you, you're just out of luck. You got nut, you're, you're hosed. Right. Yeah. So go ahead. It's uh, basically what they've uh, done already in the EU, where they basically have competition to make sure there is not another Facebook because there's not another YouTube. Right from europe the the fact that you have to scan all uploaded content to your website for copyright material or offensive things well who's got the server you got the manpower the, the code to do that yeah youtube and we'll and we'll kind of jump into that in in the, alpha goog yeah in the next topic but so you end up getting deplatformed because they have to they mm-hmm. can't risk their their business because so it's easier to get rid of Alex Jones and to take whatever minimal heat you might get for getting rid of somebody like Alex Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, allies stay silent to avoid being targeted. And Alex Jones made a great point. 
What happens if I go on Joe Rogan? Joe Rogan has invited me on his podcast. By my presence on his podcast, am I threatening his business? If I go on Alex, if I go on Joe Rogan, will they remove him? Mm. If I go on a podcast, will they be in danger of being removed too? The very association of Alex Jones with anyone at this point, who knows what the rules are? Because the rules are, if the blue checkmark mob comes for you on Twitter, you're getting removed. It doesn't even matter if you violated their terms of service or not. They don't care about their own rules. It's not applied equally. I wish Alex would do that. Just go around to every podcast he could get his hands on and just be on everyone. So, like, all of them update with an Alex Jones episode. He's crazy enough to probably get that across. I would 100% participate. You know, yeah. It's like, doing Alex Jones. Because you're right. You know, okay, you won't let me do my own show. Yeah, you're right. Can I interview him this way? Right. Now, he did break some of the rules on YouTube where he did get banned from live streaming, and then he created another account. Right. That's a big no-no to YouTube and Twitch and a lot of different companies. I understand that because, like, that's for their banned rules, but their banned stuff doesn't make any sense anyways from there. Right. But. <clears throat> so, then you get the useful idiots. I.e. our Facebook page. <laughs> when you look at our Facebook page, it is useful idiots. And those are the people who who are making arguments that may or may not be true. In, in this case, the people on our Facebook page, well-meaning people who believe, you know, in, 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 for whatever reason, I'm not sure where this, this came from, but I think we're seeing with libertarians, and, and I don't mean this pejoratively, part autistic behavior, just absolute doggedness on a single fact without the ability to kind of separate themselves and think that two things can be true at once, which is, yes, it is their right to remove them, but B, it's also really not good that extremely powerful companies Mm -hmm. like Silicon Valley companies have now decided for the first time in their business model that they are going to censor political speech. They have censored for hate, for, for just flat out like Nazi stuff, which even I don't agree with removing because I'm a free speech ab- absolutist, mm-hmm. or pornography, or things that are just very clear. Alex Jones, to me, is not that clear. And I think that it is the first time that I, I think it is a very, it is very much a beta test. <laughs> they are beta testing to see how people react to removing Alex Jones from these platforms. And I gotta, I gotta say, if you are a free speech advocate, you failed the test. And libertarians, you are so hell bent on making the property rights arguments to libertarians who agree with you that you have completely missed the fact that this doesn't end with Alex Jones. It won't. If you think it stops with Alex Jones, you're crazy. They've already started talking about banning climate denial from their platform. They're, they've already started talking about banning certain Fox shows like Tucker and Fox and Friends, and they being the blue checkmark mob. Mm-hmm. It worked. Nobody stood up for Alex Jones except for, like, I think uh, Drudge and Dana, uh, the mm-hmm. talk show host. What's her name? Dana Lash. Dana Lash. Like, nobody said anything to protect Alex Jones, which is allies stay silent because they don't want to be targeted next. Mm-hmm. And useful idiots just make the arguments of the other side. And I have to say, if if you don't get what's going on here, or you refuse to see what's going on here, you're you're making a mistake, and you're playing into the hands of progressives of any variety, right. people who want to 
paternalistically decide what you can and can't read on the internet. Mm-hmm. And no, it's it is private companies. But what is happening is it's all a pretext for regulation. Mm-hmm. And if you lay down and let the cultural conversation just go because it's private companies, then you're letting you're you're sending positive signals that uh, they're not going to fight back. Right. Okay. You're going to go back in the AOL wall garden of the '90s. That's right. And so I'm not advocating for the government regulation or forcing companies to do anything, but you do have a right to use your voice and the power of the free market, just as I did with Spreaker. And libertarians haven't even done that. <clears throat> now, the second Target says you can't open carry in Target, libertarians lose their fucking mind and start boycotting Target and Starbucks. Right. But they don't do that in this case. And I don't get the double standard there because it's more important to stand up to Silicon Valley and tell them that their platform should remain neutral and that they should remain fair and that they should abide by the agreements that they've set as opposed to setting a text case, a test case like this. Because what happens in five years is that We Are Libertarians isn't on any of your favorite platforms. Apple Podcasts makes up 75% of our listenership. Right. We're not, if you're a podcast, and that's everybody, that's like 60 to 70% for everybody who's on a podcast. Yeah. It's, it's, it's iTunes. Right. And the podcast app on the phones. Yeah. And so if, if your favorite, like, there's nothing I could do to fight back. I get a blue checkmark mob after me, I'm done. Like, I'll go bankrupt. And so when that happens is it chills everybody else. People go, people over at Lions of Liberty and Jason Stapleton, and they go, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to have to start to be more careful. And so people stop speaking up. Mm-hmm. And you've already had Twitter banned Scott Horton, the, right. the Ron Paul, the, the Daniel, Daniel McAdams from the Ron Paul Institute. Like, it, it, it's, it doesn't stop with Alex Jones whatsoever. No, no. It, uh, <clears throat> and, all right, so you're right. This is like a test, and they've been doing tests like this, like when Spotify removed R. Kelly things for the uh, some of the acts that he did, and no one said anything. Right. They're like, oh, yeah, okay. That was a good test, right? Right. Facebook does these tests to people all the time. Yeah. They mess with your feed to, you know, to see if they can make you more depressed. They went out and tested people's um, apps, an app update to make your app crash on you just to see what you would do. You know, so it's not unusual for Facebook and like a lot of these Silicon Valley companies to test and just mess with you to see what they can or cannot get away with. Right. But these walled gardens, like the AOL walled garden, it's coming. It's popping up. And it's scary that like a lot of these libertarians who like, you know, basically the 90s fought and tried to show people around that wall or putting or like congratulating and yelling and basically yelling at the bricks to be put up again. Yeah. And it's mystifying to me because I thought we were for free speech and I thought we were for like, – like the answer to Alex Jones is not to prohibit him from yeah. speaking. Like the the way that you learn Alex Jones is an idiot is by listening to Alex Jones. Correct. And so the solution to bad speech is not prohibition. The solution to speech is good speech. Now, it is exposure and then refuting those ideas. This is a this is a um, a historical principle, a natural right, something that mankind has fought for from the beginning, and something that you should expect from the products that you use. 
that they support freedom of speech, that they are not the ones who tell you what is or is not appropriate political speech. Because if you want Silicon Valley determining what is political speech, you're going to have a real bad time, Libertarian. It's just not going to go well for you. Yep. Well, Alex Jones has learned in the past that these companies have done that. So he made sure never took a site down. You know, he was on that other site, kept his other site, kept his home site, and always kept trying to, which like Wheeler Terrence is like, right. get on the email newsletter. Here's our site. This yeah. is how you can find us. Kicking people to like, no, 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 take this RSS feed. Yes, you can find us on these other apps feed, but take the hard line RSS feed. Right. Because if something happens, something breaks that, you know, you have your RSS feed. Yeah, if you if you subscribe an Apple Podcast, consider have, having a an app like Downcast or Beyond Pod on your phone that has your favorite podcast feeds. So I wouldn't have the Alex Jones uh, podcast feed if it, if I didn't have a backup podcast app. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, but what happens when they start going after Alex Jones' domain? Right. Because what happens when the fever gets so high mm-hmm. that Alex Jones loses his domain name? Right, you know, and, and trust me, we're going to get there. He's still on Apple and Google on their apps, mm-hmm. uh, although he's not being listed in the charts. He still has the number one app on both Apple. Uh, he was fit number fifty-five on iTunes mm-hmm. uh, when I looked before the show, and CNN all day long was running stories. Why is Apple allowing him to have an app on their platform? So mm. that is old media threatened by new media. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, working with a lot of old media people, not necessarily the people that I work with directly, but in the industry, especially in television, especially in news divisions, there is a tremendous amount of anger that the internet and all of the different platforms, uh, it's like this Oliver Darcy guy that I was talking about earlier. Here's a conservative-leaning journalist who has worked for The Blaze. Uh, I think, I don't remember who he works for now. I think it might be The Daily Wire or The Daily Caller. Um, and he was, you know, he tweets out a lot of Alex Jones stuff. He listens to Alex Jones regularly, and he was cheering him getting removed. And I'm just like, why would a journalist cheer someone's someone's ability to... CNN? CNN? Is he working for CNN now? Senior media reporter at CNN. Okay. Why is it that somebody who is a reporter who who is constantly huffing and puffing about how important free speech is in the Trump era, excited about Alex Jones getting deplatformed? It's because they don't want the competition. Okay? We Are Libertarians is a new brand of opinion journalism. Opinion journalism used to exist on the editorial newspaper or in magazines beginning in the 50s. But it was always the domain of newspapers. And mm-hmm. then opinion journalism creeped into CNN in the 90s. And you see in what and, – and there is an absolute crazy arrogance about journalists. Go watch the Fourth Estate on, on Showtime. It is in the, embedded in the New York Times in the way that the circus was embedded in campaigns. And you just see the absolute arrogance and – pretense of these journalists that they are saving democracy like jim acosta embodies the secret voice of every person who is employed at any level of journalism be it your local small town newspaper or like newspaper reporters are the worst yeah tv reporters are almost as bad but not as guardian we are the guardians of democracy and so (laughs) they are fucking pissed 
when We Are Libertarian shows up to a Trump rally and they have to stand in the press box next to me, okay, you would have, when Rob Kendall was uh-huh. sitting in the press box with his Trump hat on. Which is ridiculous, by the way. Which is, yeah, even, I mean, listen, I'm for pushing boundaries, but come on, dude. Um, you could have the daggers that were shot at him because we are impartial. Mm-hmm. We are special. And so they are so mad that opinion journalism, that activist journalism like uh, Project Veritas, that, Mark, Mark Dice, that, not Mark Dice, um, uh, Paul Joseph Watson, Rossin, yeah, uh, yeah that any of these platforms exist. I'm not mm-hmm. saying let's not equivocate ourselves with Paul Joseph Watson, but I'm saying like Luke Radowski, we are changed. The, a lot of the stuff he did is pretty good. The fact that advertising dollars are funneling to us, mm-hmm. the fact that. Uh, eyeballs and attention are funneling to small media outlets pisses them off to no end the fact that they are losing um revenue to craigslist and to other media to facebook it makes them crazy that they have lost a key part of their business model to facebook Mm -hmm. and so that is why they are always so quick to go after facebook and social media it's because they stole our money that was our money and then when they look at Alex Jones, or if they look at Ben Shapiro, or if they look at We Are Libertarians, or if they look at any any blog mm-hmm. site like, um, uh, you know, think I think progress, think progress, We Are Libertarians dot com again, Daily Call, <laughs> Daily Caller, they are so mad that these we are the New York Times, we are the ones who's, and I agree, I agree that you have better editorial yes. standards than We Are Libertarians dot com. Yes, I would trust your reporting over mine. Okay, because yeah. you have a full-time staff of thousands doing reporting, and you have 500 years of editorial or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so these journalists are just pissed. And so when they can take new media out, they do it. They don't care about the consequences, because at the end of the day, when Facebook finally throws up its hands and says, no more politics on, on social media— but we know our users want political content, so we'll feed you partnered content. So we're going to go with the New York Times, we're going to go with the Washington Post, and we're going to go with CNN. And maybe they'll throw Fox News in there and give conservatives a bone. Mm-hmm. And you'll get five partnered content feeds of politics. And they'll feed, feed, filter out keywords of everything. You post a, a We Are Libertarians thing on Facebook in five years, it won't show up. Bury it, bury it. Or bury. it'll be completely buried. Yeah. So they yeah. don't want... They don't want people like we're libertarians to exist. They have practiced this shadow banning technique, right, yep. on under, quote unquote undesirable, basically sex workers. You can go into the, their Twitter and their Facebook pages, and they will talk about how they're being buried. They apply and go everything about every rules of the service, but they like they realize they find out that they're not getting the circulation they have because the algorithm is messing with them, and they're testing the algorithm on them to come after possibly us. Yeah. Because who's going to defend the right of sex workers to exist on social media? Well, libertarians will. Right, but that's a but a very small minority. Right, and it's why it's why mechanisms are built around the Klan. It's built around anti Semites. It's built around Alex Jones. It's mm-hmm. built around sex workers. That's built around the most egregious and most marginalized segments of our society. Mm-hmm. It's because that's where the mechanisms are built because no one objects. No one stands up and no one says this is wrong. Yeah. And that's what's happening here. And nobody wants to admit it, but this is a very dangerous precedent that is being set. Right. This is the culmination 
of the last year and a half on this program of talking about the dangers of the fakeness of the Russian investigation. Mm -hmm. The Russian investigation is the pretense that they're going to use to start enacting legislation. Senator Chris Murphy thinks tech giants banning Alex Jones Infowars is a good start for the survival of our democracy. He tweeted on August 6th, a, a United States senator tweeted, Infowars is the tip of a giant iceberg of hate and lies that uses sites like Facebook and YouTube to tear our nation apart. These companies must do more than take down one website. These companies must do more than take down one website. The survival of our democracy depends on it. Now, this overblown, bloviating language is complete bullshit. The survival of our democracy does not depend on you silencing voices that you disagree with, Senator Murphy. And he's flat out admitting they're not going to stop at one website. Right. They're going to stop at anybody who is even slightly pro-Trump. They're already going after Candace Owens. Mm-hmm. They're already they're going to go after CRTV. They're going to go after Stephen Crowder. Even more than they already have, they're going to be much more explicit and egregious about it. They're going to label it hate speech because nobody's going to defend hate speech, right? Right. But nobody has, has actually said specifically what was the hate speech that got Alex Jones banned from 15 companies in roughly 12 hours Correct. Yeah. at one time. Yep. It seems like cartel behavior to me, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And that's why like CRTV started to get all these names because a lot of them started realizing, like, you know, we can't survive out on our own on YouTube on these other platforms. Right. They don't want us there, but do everything they can to get us off. So now that they went and got off their own platform, you know, they're trying to find ways so no one can ever find them. So the most hyperventilating uh, senator around all of this is the head of the Senate Intelligence Committee or, or a member of it is Mark Warner. Uh, he's a senator from Virginia. Yes, sir. I was thinking, sorry, like, like sorry. because even with, um, okay, Alex Jones is incredibly popular, but like without him having the reach that he has on other sites, that's going to start messing with his SEO. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But see, it's here's right. the thing. What they don't realize is that they've made him the, uh, everybody's like, I immediately downloaded Alex. I haven't listened to Alex Jones in probably four months, mm-hmm. but you better believe I was refreshing that feed on Monday and I've Just listened like- to every minute of the last four days, <laughs> you know, and, and Alex Jones, when he's been deplatformed, mm-hmm. when he's been saying for months, they're going to silence us. The, these globalists have a plan to silence the internet and take it over. And then he gets to, de- he gets deplatformed. And then you listen to him and you go, you know, he has a lot more credibility. First thing somebody said to me Monday when I said, did you hear about Alex Jones? I go, yeah. He must really be saying something somebody doesn't want to be heard. Oh, crap. <laughs> this is not. This is a coworker of mine who is not a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. They turned him into a conspiracy theorist. They just made, yeah. Which, let me say, I've been hard on conspiracy <laughs> theorists, but l- let, let me defend them for a moment. Harry, there is nothing wrong with a theory that there may be a conspiracy of people mm-hmm. out there who want to do something bad. And as Alex Jones said today, there's nothing wrong with questioning known liars. People like James Clapper are known liars. Right. And so what he says, yes, I, I questioned Sandy Hook, but I'm questioning known liars. And in a free country, I should have the right to question known liars. I should have the right to question events. I should have the right to question my government. And I have to say, I don't disagree with him in what in any way. In the questioning part. Right. When Exactly right. You should have the ability in the United States of America to question everything. 
mm-hmm. you should have the ability on this program to ask whatever question about society, government, current events, religion that you want. Because, Harry, frankly, I've asked you some questions about black people that I just don't understand. I've done it on and off the air. Mm -hmm. And you know why? It's because exposure to you Mm -hmm. has helped me understand your experience better. And by talking about it, we come to a better understanding of each other and the world. Right? Yeah, this flat world. (laughs) This flat earth. Yeah. So let's question everything. So I don't agree with the conclusions that Alex Jones comes to, mm-hmm. but I do agree that he has the right in America to question whatever he wants to question. Yes. And saying it out loud, saying that he doesn't believe that uh, 9-11 happened the way that it happened is fine. But you know what I get? I get a book by popular mechanics refuting what he believes. Mm-hmm. And then I get to learn both sides and I become a better educated person by him talking about 9-11 conspiracy theories. Yeah. And then popular mechanics refuting his conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. And then it goes back and forth from there. That's a healthy society. That is a healthy democracy, Senator Murphy. A healthy democracy is one where you are free to speak openly without consequences. And when you start, ar- when you start, ar- when you start building architecture to limit those abilities then you are doing democracy a service. Silencing people is not good for democracy. Right. That's what this is. And they're building a pretense. Leaked to Axios, reported by Reza. Go ahead. You want less violence? Let people talk. Exactly right. Empathy builds a peaceful world. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Elizabeth Nolan Brown on July 31st, so was this before this was before the Alex Jones stuff came out? Uh, Senate Democrats are circulating plans for government takeover of the internet. Reason Roundup writes, a leaked memo circulating among Senate Democrats contains a host of bonkers authoritarian proposals for regulating digital platforms, purport- purportedly as a way to get tough on Russian bots and fake news, to save American trust in our institutions, democracy, free press, and markets. So when Democrat Senator Mark Warner writes, to save trust in our institutions, meaning the government, Mm -hmm. our democracy, meaning our politicians, our free press, meaning the New York Times, and our markets, meaning our big banks that pay us a lot of money to protect their ass. That's what he means. He does not mean you and me. Right. He means protect them. And that is what oligarchs do. They build a world that protects them and does not protect you. So if you want to make the property rights argument to protect people like Mark Warner, I I don't have much to say to you because this is what you end up with. You are not fighting back against a pretext to build a structure that will regulate you. Mm -hmm. And when our page and this podcast says you should speak up and say this isn't right and complain to a private company that you you have an agreement with, Mm -hmm. that isn't a bad thing. That's called using the free market and using your voice to... Give feedback to a company on what you want, what product, and how it should be shaped you'd mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. But when you don't, you continue the pretense that will usher in regulation. I'm not advocating for regulation. I'm advocating against regulation because regulation doesn't start in a vacuum. It doesn't just show up. You have to build a crisis mm-hmm. to get legislation passed. And that is what has been done with the Russia investigation. They have built a crisis to regulate social media. And that is exactly what is outlined 
in this. They're trying to enact their own GDPR, like data protection legislation, titled Potentially Potential Policy Proposals for Regulation of Social Media and Technology Firms, the draft paper said, um, leaked to Axios, which is a very reliable site. The paper starts out by noting that Russians have long spread disinformation, including when the Soviets tend to spread fake news, denigrating Martin Luther King Jr. He fails to mention that uh, the Americans and the FBI did the same thing at at that time, Mm -hmm. but it's different now because of technology. Today's tools seem almost built for Russian disinformation techniques. Warner opines, and the ones to come, he assures, will be even worse. The next, it is terrible, it is awful, and I am here to protect you from what is absolutely going to be worse. We have a crisis, and I'm here to fix you with some regulation. (laughs) Okay? So here's how we're going to do that, Harry. All right. Mr. Tech Man, all right? We're going to fix it. All right. You you weigh in. You stop me. Wave your hand at me when you're ready, because I'm on a roll tonight. I'm, I'm fired up. All right. I see that. Mandatory location verification. The paper suggests forcing social media platforms to authenticate and disclose the geographic origin of all user accounts or posts. So you hate whistleblowers. (laughs) Do you hate having your location services checked on? Right. I hate it. I don't want my location known. No, you cannot own my location. I spent all this money and do all this for VPN, so you do not know where I am at. Right. Uh, imagine having your having to have forcibly have on your location on every Instagram post. If you're a woman who likes to post bikini photos, you got to make sure that your address is posted to that bikini photo now. Exactly, and uh, <laughs> like, and now you're going to get ad service to you because of the geolocation that you. That's exactly like. right. There's the, now, yeah, we service you ads. There are there are apps on your phone right now that track your every. If you have location services on for that for that fun game, that mm-hmm. game where you. You know, play two dots, or mm-hmm. if you play Kingdom Rush, which is my personal favorite, and you go, why are you asking for location services? Yeah. It's because they take that geolocated data and they sell it to advertisers mm-hmm. and then resell you, reserve you ads. And so yeah. it tracks your behavior. So it knows that when you leave Kroger, they know where you spend the most time in Kroger. And then when you leave Kroger, what store you go to. And then, so while you're in Kroger mm-hmm. in the deli counter, they start showing you the Speedway gas station ad because they know that you might go there next. And then they get a bucket of money from Speedway. So mandatory identity verification. The paper suggests forcing social media and tech platforms to authenticate user identities and only allow authentic accounts. Quote, unquote, unauthentic accounts not only pose threats to our democratic process, but undermine the integrity of digital markets. And with the failure to appropriately address inauthentic account activity... Um, and they'll punish them under the FTC and the SEC. Um, so again, the whistleblowers. I personally had to send Facebook my social security number mm-hmm. and my ID to buy ads for We Are Libertarians Facebook page. <laughs> if that every user will have to do that. That is their solution. That's what you will have to do. You will have to send Facebook your social security number. Hope you're hope you're secure in that because that's what's coming. I've got five. I'll give them one. <laughs> Bot labeling. First off, oh, but the the, the, the like to verify the identification thing. Um, all right, so then you've got one sex workers, right? Mm-hmm. Who want to come up with their second second name? Um, people who are hiding from an abusive ex. Um, ooh, blue light. Um, you are absolutely not allowed to use a fake name in certain countries like Cambodia, where they have a dictator. Mm-hmm. The way that they root out the um, the dissidents mm-hmm. is they check. 
to see who's using a fake name and then they go hunt those people down Correct. using the IP address. Correct. Dissidents. It's not, you know, it's not unheard of the United States government to go after dissidents. It's right. not unheard of. Um, the other- Didn't Reality Winner get all kinds of prison time for basically doing what Cambridge Analytica did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I forget what it was, but there was something that one of these companies just did, and basically, like reality winner did the same thing, but she got prison time. Right, there's other thing, but there's other, but companies are doing this all the time. You know, like you know, like all those stupid, t- you know. Th- anyway, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> but the whole like ID blocking thing is like, but anonymity or pseudo anonymity, be able to talk to someone that you don't know just to be text on the screen is the bill. Ha- Probably has ki- has stopped a lot of races, people who are sexist, because you can have these conversation with these people and understand that you know, and they're just be- they're just text on the screen, right? And then you're like, you know what, you're really awesome, you know, like who are you? They're like, oh my god, I've been talking to a black person this entire time, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have. I I thought you only thought wrong. No, we're not all like that. No, right. no, 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 no. We are different. We are individuals. So that stops that. You know, now someone would be like, well, I just you know, I can easily block every black person now. Thank you, thank you, Facebook. I personally found it hilarious when conf- comfortably smug on Twitter, who loves to make fun of libertarians, mm-hmm. was bitching about the Alex Jones stuff and bitching about Facebook privacy, and I'm just like, bruh. You got a fake name on Twitter. Like I, I'm not a huge fan of like talking politics under a fake name on Twitter. I know you, <laughs> you like our Discord is is fairly anonymous, pseudo anonymous, um, pseudo. I mean, you can choose to be anonymous or not. But um, so back to what Senator Warner wants to do: forcing companies to label accounts as bots. Which I don't know how they would do that. If they discovered a bot, they'd probably just get rid of it. Define popular tech as essential facilities, basically public utilities. These would subject all sorts of heightened rules and controls, says the paper, offering Google Maps as an example of the kind of apps or platforms that might count. So if you think they're going to start with and and end with Facebook and Twitter and Google Plus and YouTube, they're going to go into Google Maps, so your location data. That's what the government wants. The government wants all of the data from your phone stored on their servers where they don't have to have these phony they already have it with the NSA but they have phony baloney rules that says they can't access it they want access to it all the time I use a um, offline map OSMMD OSMND yeah okay <laughs> it's offline map open source you can download it it's really nice the law would not mandate that a dominant provider offer service for free, writes Warner. Rather, it would be required to offer it on reasonable and non-discriminatory terms provided by the government. Other proposals include more disclosure requirements for online political speech, more spending to counter supposed cybersecurity threats, more funding for the FTC, a requirement that companies' algorithms be audited by the feds, so their code would now belong to government <laughs> regulators, mm-hmm. and a requirement of inoperability between dominant platforms. The paper also suggests making it a rule that tech platforms above a certain size must turn over internal data and processes to independent public interest researchers so they can identify potential public health addiction effects, anti-competitive behavior, radicalization, scams, user-propagated misinformation and harassment, data that could be used to inform actions by regulators or Congress. And, of course, these include further revisions to Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, recently amended by Congress to exclude protections for prostitution-related content. Is 
Is this just Prism? This sounds like Prism. <laughs> no, it's not Prism because Prism is at least somewhat protected by FISA courts. <laughs> what they want is China's social credit system. Oh, sorry. That's what yeah. this is. That's what they want to. Cr- that's mm-hmm. where we're going to end up. Mm-hmm. And so in in China, this was a Black Mirror episode, I guess, but it's been in place in China forever. They have social credit systems. So every time you say something mean to somebody on the internet. You have a bad day. You're having a bad day. You say something cranky to someone on your Facebook page. I've never done that myself, but I heard it happens. Mm-hmm. And so you get a mark on your... And so eventually it gets to the point, if you have bad enough social credit that you, you can't rent a car, you can't access certain services, you can't... It's 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 a complete... It's basically Big Brother. It's, it's Fahrenheit 451 all over again uh, in China right now. The proposals in the paper are wide-ranging and, in some cases, even politically impossible and raise as many questions as you might try to answer. But we've got to pass it to figure out what's in it, Harry. So you sent in a video that I I want to play the first uh, couple minutes of. The EU is about to destroy the Internet by a uh, channel called Computing Forever. Oh, that one. Yeah. Okay. (sighs) Harry, you're supposed to talk, and then people heard me belch. How dare you? Uh, all right, so here's here's the first couple minutes of this video. Exaggeration, though I wish it was. The EU may very well destroy the internet as we know it, and we've got less than one month to act on this. Over the past few years, independent journalists and alternative media companies have faced the ongoing threats of heavy-handed government regulation of the web. This has included nebulous hate speech laws and clampdowns on what biased social media platforms subjectively determine to be fake news. Well, it's about to get a whole lot more difficult when it comes to the issue of copyright. What I'm about to discuss with you next is the biggest, most disturbing threat to free speech and the free press and indeed creativity the internet has ever faced. It's so bad that if this new legislation is allowed to pass, the video you're watching would be impossible for me to make. From edori.org, EU member states agree on monitoring and filtering of internet uploads. On the 25th of May, the European Council agreed to a negotiating position on the draft copyright directive. This will allow the presidency of the council to start negotiations with the European Parliament on mass monitoring and filtering of internet uploads and a chaotic new ancillary copyright measure that will make it harder to link to and quote news sources. In other words, only large media companies and the mainstream media will be able to report on the news as they will be the only ones capable of paying the insane fees required to simply link to another website or source. This is farcical and unworkable. Despite a large number of demands from a wide range of different stakeholders, including EDRI and Copyright for Creativity, to keep working on the text in order to create some semblance of balance, the Council decided to finalise its position with a flawed text. Now it's the turn of the European Parliament to adopt its negotiating position. The Legal Affairs Committee of the European Parliament is voting on the 20th and 21st of June to agree on their standpoint. There is still time to act to prevent the most dangerous parts of the proposal. From techdirt.com, forget the GDPR, the EU's new copyright proposal will be a complete and utter disaster for the internet. Believe it or not, there's an even larger threat from the EU looming, and it's received precious little attention. The EU's new copyright reform proposal is set to be voted on next month, and it will truly be disastrous to the internet. As it currently stands, it will require widespread censorship in the form of mandatory filtering and also link taxes that have already been shown to be harmful to news. Have you got a license for that link, mate? 
European Parliament member Julia Rita is sounding the alarm and asking people to speak out. As she notes, many of the folks now freaking out about the GDPR wish they got involved over two years ago when it was being debated. And if you're concerned about how problematic this new copyright reform will be for the internet, now is the time to speak out. Yes, even if you're not in the EU. I love how we only have less than a month to do anything about this. It's almost like that was deliberate. Please explain to me why we need the EU again. Oh yeah, because without them we wouldn't have a centralised authoritarian bureaucracy to control our lives. I forgot about that. On the topic of copyright, you now have the chance to have an influence. A chance that will be long lost in two years, when we'll all be suddenly faced with the challenge of having to implement upload filters and the link tax, or running into new limits on what we can do using the web services we rely on. So I think that's an important point, is that the American version of GDPR is starting now. Yep. Okay, yep. This, the discussion is beginning now. And so you cannot wait for a year or two from now when it's 30 days before it's passed in Congress. And all the, it's like the debate takes a couple years. The pretext is starting now. And you have to get in on the discussion. And if you are on the wrong side or if you continue to make bad arguments because you can't hold two arguments in your head at once – then this thing is eventually going to get placed in America. And I can tell you, working in radio, it's an exorbitant amount of money to a company like AP. If I wanted to pull up an AP news story right now, read it to you on the air, it's technically illegal based on copyright law. Uh, I would have to go to them and pay basically what you probably make in a year to read that on my podcast, if they'd let me at all. Because as I saw in podcast movement, the legalities of copyright law. Basically, here's what you can do on a podcast. Nothing except talk into the microphone. It's even in question if you can use pod safe music. Right. <laughs> so the ability to do anything, if you put in, if you put in, like, it just, it's, you can't do anything on a podcast. So because of copyright law. And then once you start getting upload filters to see if, if you've played any kind of copyright news articles, you can't, you know, like I love No Agenda, the podcast. Mm-hmm. The, a lot of their podcasts is just playing news clips and talking about the news clips. That's technically illegal. They're not allowed to do it. And so eventually they'd create the mechanism to, ch- to cut, to stop those guys from doing that. Mm-hmm. So you get less information. Or they would be paying link taxes for linking to articles on your blog. Mm hmm. I have a ton of links on wearelibertarians.com because I want people to have a lot of resources. I'm not paying taxes on that. I'll just shut the site down. <laughs> like, I'm just not... Or, uh, it, or go dark. It, or go dark. Or just take... You know, so you lose more resources on how to educate yourself about politics. But they don't want you to be educated about politics. They want you to stay ignorant. They want you to stay repeating little bumper sticker lines that they all come up with. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just maddening to me. I mean, it's it, 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 you cannot wait. Right. Henry. Yeah, you cannot wait. You have to do something now. If you think something else is going to protect you, it's not. It's what they're doing, and they've been doing and marching towards this for a long time. They're coming. That's why they like the whole like the pushback. But when people did start to go dark and go in on VPNs and start to like to push, and people trying to leave their platforms, that's why we do everything they can to keep you in their little silos. So you're too afraid to leave. Exactly. And so... You can't go anywhere. There's no competition. They snuffed it all out. Why do you think they've been running YouTube at a loss? <laughs> Why? 
stop anyone from going anywhere else. Yeah. You know? Okay, you can have your Vimeo, but we'll take everything else out. Right. We'll, we'll make sure nothing else, you know, nothing else lives. The the reality of, so I basically, what I do for the podcast, I do for a radio show. Okay. That's, that's what I do for a living. So my hobby is my work. My work is my hobby. Uh, you want to know why I'm stressed out is because I never give myself a break. I have no, I have no hobbies. I just do this. And uh, so we've been evaluating all of our vendors. Mm-hmm. The, the cost of bandwidth to do video is insane. And so if we wanted to do We Are Libertarians with a private video solution or even just host the podcast with the bandwidth that we push, it would be, th- it would be a couple thousand dollars a month to do it privately. Easily. easily. I yeah. pay, I pay $20 because our host that mm-hmm. we use for the podcast, it, he gets a big rate discount mm-hmm. for hosting because he has so much bandwidth across all the podcasts. Yeah. Um, the... You know, we we go to YouTube for video streaming mm-hmm. or Facebook for video streaming, and so in exchange for using those services, they get our information. That's that's the deal. Mm-hmm. Because the the reality is that if I had to shut down the Facebook groups, the podcast hosting and the video po- hosting, and put it all on WeAreLibertarians.com, it'd be very expensive. It'd crash. Our Patreon would not cover it, and yes, the the server bandwidth it would be very expensive. In our hosting bill this month for a year of hosting, it's it's like fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, and we don't really use our website a lot. We have, you know, I mean, we have. It's just the nature of growing is that you get a lot of costs. Mm-hmm. So as you grow in costs, as you grow in size, you grow in costs, and so that's why it's really important for you to financially support independent media, independent mm-hmm. opinion journalists like we are libertarians. Like other podcasts that you love, you've got mm-hmm. to support them because part of what I am doing, part of my strategy through the next couple of years is to grow ourselves to the point that, like, listen, Alex Jones is going to be fine because Alex Jones has diversified himself in so many ways mm-hmm. that you're going to be able to find him. Yep. But We Are Libertarians at this point, this was a wake-up call for me. If We Are Libertarians got deplatformed like this and it would be very easy to get on the wrong side of a BuzzFeed writer... We'd be gone. Right. We'd be we'd be limping along. Yeah. And so it is important for me over the next couple of years to build escape routes. So we are continuing to be able to give you this information and give you a different point of view. And to do that, I'm going to have to implement some resources, which are going to take. It's going to take money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you know that's why joining Patreon, buying T-shirts. You guys are awesome. I, I had an extra $300 in my pocket this month, and that and that went immediately towards hosting or camera upgrades, mm-hmm. uh, or th- th- there's several things that, uh, uh, you know, so, several projects that I'm funding at any given time to upgrade what we do at We Are Libertarians to give you better quality stuff. And to prepare. And, and to prepare. So please, support us on Patreon. Buy a t-shirt. There's a couple new ways at WeAreLibertarians.com. I took a bunch of time over the weekend to revamp the website. Go check it out. You can now donate via crypto. Uh, I've got four crypto ways to donate. Uh, you can now, if you shop on Amazon, we have an Amazon link. We're mm-hmm. an Amazon refer. So if you, it costs you nothing. Mm-hmm. If you go to WeAreLibertarians.com, right-click, copy address link, update your bookmark, save save the bookmark with that new link, Every time you make a purchase, we get a cut. 
We get a commission. We've already made 50 cents. Yeah. So. And you've got to keep using that link. You can't just go to Amazon. You've got to go to that bookmark right. link. Yes. And so you can find that on the sidebar on wearelibertarians.com. Uh, if you just want to make a donation, PayPal's up there as well. So uh, a few other referral sites that if you want to build a website, we've got my favorite tools that are there as well. Um, so please go check that out. Uh, we appreciate all the support that you guys get us, give us. It is so necessary, and uh, especially as we grow this thing. And I'm I, I, basically what I have done over the last month, uh, in and what I will continue to do over the next month or so is prepare for 2020 because we're only about a year away from that beginning. Mm-hmm. So I want to work out the kinks before we get there and have the show, the platform, and everything in tip top shape to handle the growth. Because when you grow by an order of magnitude times four or five after a presidential election and you know that your audience gets that much bigger and bigger and bigger, once we get to the presidential election, I need to make sure that uh, when people hear us, they stick with us and that we can handle the load. You know, you got to be able to handle the load, Harry. Uh, so to everybody, uh, I, I thank you. Uh, so shout out to Austin Peterson. Uh, I want to just mention before we go, Harry, Austin Peterson, uh, a friend of mine, ran a great race mm-hmm. in Missouri. Uh, this is not a criticism of Austin Peterson whatsoever, uh, so I don't want anybody to take it that way, especially if Austin hears it. I don't want him to think that I'm criticizing him. Mm-hmm. But libertarians, you got to wake up. Uh, we, have, we are wrongheaded about how we run campaigns. We um, we think that if we just you know buy a thousand dollars in Facebook ads or five thousand dollars in direct mailers, mm-hmm. and you go to get get fifty yard signs, and you go to all the forums, then you're going to win your election. That's just not how it works. Okay, you the reality of how you actually win a Senate race. There are three ways to win a Senate. There not a Senate race. Any political office. Here's my advice: If you want to win a political office, you got three options. Number one, buy it. Buy yourself a Senate seat. It'll cost you about six, seven million dollars of your own money. That what Braun brought. That's what Braun spent here in Indiana. <laughs> Probably more in California. Uh, number two, mesh into the R's or D's and wait your turn for them to promote you. After being a good soldier, you may get your shot. Number three, be so well known and liked in your district that you have a shot of overcoming straight ticket voting. You know, I think of Boss Hogg and, yeah. and Jeremiah Morrill out in Henry County, mm-hmm. so well liked, member yep. of that community for many years. Rex Bell, same way. Mm-hmm. You know, and they still they won some precincts mm-hmm. <coughs> after uh, after several runs. Uh, it it is about a large on the ground organization that personally touches voters multiple times and drives them to vote. Even then, it may take multiple si- cycles if you're not part of the major party slate or a member of the non dominant party. So think New York Republicans. Mm-hmm. If you're a New York Republican, you may never win your seat if you're in New York City. <laughs> and if you are going to, you better run multiple times. Right. And you yeah. better be a prominent member of your community, and you better have a lot of money, because that's what it's going to take. Yep. Um, so I, I, I just haven't found a lot of libertarians over my decade in the party that are willing to kind of put in that work mm-hmm. to build that kind of grassroots organization, but that's what it takes. Right. Uh, and so if you're a candidate out there and you're listening, like take heart, I'm not telling you it's, it's hopeless. I'm saying you got to work your tail off on building that on the ground Mm -hmm. stuff. Don't waste, don't waste your time and money on things that aren't necessarily going to work. Go out there, knock on some doors, meet your, meet your folks 
and do it multiple cycles. Yeah. Commit to actually winning your race. You know, don't just do it once and throw a thousand dollars on Facebook and think that you're going to get elected because that just because your friends and family said they're going to vote for you, that's not how it works. We need people with the kind of commitment that Austin Peterson has, where he is willing to go out there and and put and put in a ton of work and dedicate himself full time. Now we need to get Austin some ground game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what it was like in Missouri, right. but it seemed to be more effective than the 2012 presidential race. Right. And he's yeah, and it, and you know, all, all more for him and needs to, you know, it's like day 1 go. Now good. Right. Do it again. 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 Get, you know. And you're right, the ground game like if you I don't know if anyone like watches like Evan McMahon like watching what him and Sawyer are doing down there in Arizona. They working they working their tail off in that freaking heat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um and then you got Carla Garrica in up in New Hampshire. Right. Well, like in her community, this is not the first time she's ran. She's ran multiple times, you know. So and she's going to keep going at it. Will she get it this time? I don't know, but She'll keep building a ground game and keep running. You, she's got, she's building name recognition, but it's going to take time. Right. All right, Harry. Final thoughts for this episode. Oh, you know what we need to do. You know what you need to do. We need to talk about uh, Brian Nichols. <laughs> That's not what I thought. BrianNichols.com. Is it BrianNichols.com? I can't remember his website name. And I was going to bring up the uh, uh, <clears throat> Patreon. Are you going to do that after yeah, that? We'll do that after okay, that. Fine. Sorry, sorry. Right. We get back to the you're script. Good. You're good. You're good. Dear Leader writes my jokes for me now. All right, but we're not done yet because in full candidness, we... <laughs> We recorded about 20 minutes before, but then we forgot We forgot this part. Uh, the professionalism starts next week. Uh, so we Harry was real late tonight. You yeah. had you were late. I got, uh, let's see, the owner of my company, the company I started working for, just came into town, and most of them are still on California time. So I'm trying to get out of there at 5 o'clock, and that's like midday to them. They're like rock and roll. Right. I need permissions. I need this opened up. Can you turn this on? Can you just on? So I got out of there late, and then... A torrential downpour downtown. Yes, and everyone acted like they didn't know how to drive, and the earth yeah. was falling, and like stayed in one spot. You know, I need to get off Delaware Street to like you know five forty-five. Yeah, so we ended up. Uh, I had scheduled Brian Nichols for eight thirty to call in about uh, the death penalty, and we're going to start doing a segment on the show called "The Path to Libertarianism," where every Every show or once a week, I'm not sure yet how we're gonna how we're gonna set up the segments. We're gonna talk about an essential piece of libertarian philosophy. This week, it's the death penalty, uh, and uh, this will kind of grow and evolve over time. So, if you have uh, things that you'd like to learn about that you're not sure on on the libertarian philosophy, editor at weirdlibertarians.com, and we'll we'll slate that in for a segment. We are joined by our good friend and fellow We Are Libertarians podcaster Brian Nichols. Brian, how are you doing? Doing well. How are things going over in Indiana? Things are great. Uh, I missed you in Philly. You, I, I think you had a slight chill. What was your you? I was in chill. I was in Philly, and you lived there. But and we were going to get dinner, and then you had, I don't know, uh, a migraine. A migraine. That's right. Yes. So I, I I have chronic migraines. I, I mean, I've had them literally since I was a wee lad, and um, I, I've gotten better over the past few years where. Now I get them like once a month versus it was literally every other day. Um, so I was I was actually in a really nice 
spell there for about like i would say a month and a half i didn't get a migraine and then of course literally as you come to visit in philadelphia i get it that that day so yeah that's fun is it because he went to the wrong philly cheesesteak restaurant he went to four philly cheesesteak places and he didn't go to the right one which was dalessandro's up in east falls well, I I saw that one on all the list, but it was a longer lift ride, and work was paying, so I didn't feel right about like taking these long lift rides and making making my boss pay for Philly cheesesteak trips <laughs> since he was buying dinner anyway. So I wanted I really wanted to go to that one. Yes, that was on the list. Yeah, that one's um definitely like for Philly folk, and I I guess I can consider myself a Philly folk because I've been here for three years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's definitely like if people are looking for a good cheesesteak, Delisandros. Now, did you go to Geno's and Pat's? Oh no, I I, I heard nothing but uh, mediocre things about them. So I yeah. I went to yeah. where did I go? I went to it wasn't Pat's. It was I think Steve's King of Steaks, which was probably my favorite. I went to Jim's, which was really good. Uh, Jim's is good. Yeah, and then I went to DeNick's and had roast pork, and that was okay. I wasn't blown away by that. And then I also went to Sonny's, which was also very good. See, I'm glad you didn't go to Pat's and Gino's because Pat's and Gino's is the most, like, it's the most touristy place to go to. So the lines are the longest, but it's the lowest quality. Right. I think they kind of, they bank on people going to those places because... They have the name recognition, and it's just it's it's sub quality cheesesteak, but they charge you an exorbitant amount because you know you're going to pay for it. So I'm glad you didn't do the the touristy thing. I I am as well. I I enjoyed Philly. Philly is the weirdest town uh, of all the places that I've been. I've been to like seven <laughs> cities this this year, and you go some places in Philly and it looks like Boston, and other places it looks like. New York, it looks like New Orleans in certain places. There's no rhyme or reason to Philadelphia whatsoever. No, <laughs> Philly's a weird town. I mean, I lived in South Philadelphia for about two years. Um, and I mean, it's as ghetto as you can get in some areas. And then I'm over here in West Philadelphia, and you you wouldn't even believe that you're in the city itself because it's just, it's so quiet. And like, I'm I'm in a residential area that I'm the youngest person here, and it's it's all old african-american families and i i'm like all right i fit in pretty well here because i'm an old african-american person at heart i think (laughs) mainly you're you're basically medea on the inside (laughs) (laughs) more or less yes exactly right uh you're transracial yeah one more philly point your homeless people (laughs) are wild and you were telling me a story about your homeless people that made me laugh so hard so um, my commute gets right off of uh, 676 is one of the main arteries through Philadelphia. And there, there's a guy who he's there every single day. And almost always he if he comes up and asks you for money and he sees you on a daily basis and he like knows you're not going to give him money because he asked you every day. Um, he will he'll whip out his, his member and his, just piss in your car. Yeah, his sprinkler and, system. <laughs> I mean, I'm at the point now where I'm just so used to it; it doesn't really phase me anymore. But like, obviously, the first couple times it happens, you're you're a little sh- you're a little shook, uh, and rightfully so. I would I would I would dare say. I mean, this is a great this is a great uh, th- thing. Uh, it's the boiling the frog. You get used to homeless men peeing on your car, <laughs> so don't get used to media outlets being banned from social media. Um, that too. So, Brian, I I listened to your most recent podcast, and one of the things that we're going to do is have more segmented features here on the show. So the show's not going to change a lot. We're going to just 
kind of structure things and give them names. And so, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I want to do is Brian's show is so excellent. He has a podcast here on the We Are Libertarians Network, and uh, I, I listen to it almost every week. And I want to have Brian and the Boss Hog of Liberty Guys on on a uh, on a somewhat frequent basis. Just call in and say what's going on in in your world. Let's do a little check in. And I was uh, in an argument. So earlier this week, the Pope Pope Francis basically came out and said the death penalty is wrong. Every person is uh, deserving of human dignity, and that sort mm-hmm. of lit off a firestorm. And Coincidentally, you ended up having an interview later that night around the topic of the death penalty, uh, and I thought it was a great interview. So tell us a little bit more about that episode. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was funny. It was back on on, uh, on Tuesday of last week where quite literally the Pope um, had announced that uh, the death penalty would be removed from um, – not necessarily removed, but it, would, it was going to be strictly enforced that that was not a part of uh, Catholicism doctrine. And uh, literally that evening, I had uh, Hannah Cox on. And uh, Hannah Cox, she's the national manager for conservatives concerned about the death penalty and uh, what they are. So they are a nationwide group of conservatives and actually many libertarians who have joined together really questioning the concept of capital punishment with regards to looking at it in the means of saying, is this consistent with conservative principles and even libertarian principles, and uh, being that the overarching government really is a system of inefficiency, um, you know, we, we see where we have, I think she said, it's 162 folks who were exonerated from death row last year alone. Um, it, it shows how inefficient it is and how there, there's, it's, it, there's no clear cut yes or no like this person is 100% guilty in and she uh, Hannah spoke to how we've seen this change over the past you know 5 years 10 years especially where these old you know definitive means of determining guilt or not are are being you know brought into the limelight like dental um, bite marks and even some DNA testings and we're finding that is there a role for government in in uh, using capital punishment and um the fact that uh, it was right along that time, like we said, with the Pope um, having the, the proclamation from the uh, the Catholic Church, it fit very perfectly. So I think it's a nice topic for libertarians and conservatives um, and even some Republicans to, to come together and hopefully find some coherent messaging that the government shouldn't be in the business, business of determining you know who lives and who dies. Uh, that, that, you know, if we are going to look at the government as the arbiter of in its idea of morality, um, but often doing so in a very inefficient, ineffective way, can we really stand on principle and say, well, yes, we're going to uh, support the government being able to then uh, determine life or death based on a crime that someone may have or may not have committed? Yeah, and since 1973, there's been 130 exonerations. And when you get into these exonerations, you know, specifically in places uh, like Florida, I think the number in Florida was in the in the high 20s the new orleans district attorney there are consistent problems still to this day with how they handle evidence how they handle witnesses how they do lineups the dallas district attorney is a famous case where there have been a ton of exonerations in texas which you know the joke with bush was that he had like basically uh when george hw or when george w bush was uh, governor of Texas. I mean, it was he. He and Rick Perry just put people on uh, 
on the fast track to to the execution <laughs> chamber had a conveyor belt, I think yeah. it was, from the courtroom to the... Right to the chair. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, as libertarians, we're fundamentally against... We, we distrust the government. We distrust its legal authority. And yet I've seen so many libertarians on Facebook around the Pope and, and some other issues supporting the death penalty, and I just have to say why. I, I don't understand why when when you... Think about the role of the state, of government. Yes, libertarians, some libertarians look at the proper role of government to m- meter out justice. Now, Harry is smiling, so he may not he may not agree with that. What, what are you thinking over there? I'm sorry, I was busy searching for the proper role of government. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like the line of thinking because one of the largest killers of human beings have been governments. Right. And mm-hmm. the for some reason, when everyone when the judge puts on their funny robe, people put on their Sunday best and they vote on it, and they're supposed to make this barbaric style of killing someone based off something they did. It doesn't make the victim whole. It doesn't do anything. And for the thing, and considering of you are correct of how evidence is handled, and that people are basically just arguing cases and bringing up evidence that. You know, sometimes sometimes during discovery on cases, the defense attorney it doesn't find out all basically the pieces that are being brought against someone. So they're basically getting out argued, and then having this person get on death row just because they don't know all the evidence that was brought against him. Yeah, when you watch just, mm-hmm. when you watch shows like The Staircase or Making a Murderer, uh, Making a Murderer, I don't mm-hmm. know what it's called, on Netflix, all these true crime documentaries, you start to see how murky the justice system mm-hmm. is. And to, oh, yeah. put, to put the power of life and death into the hands of this murky system, to me, mm-hmm. doesn't make a lot of sense, especially when you get into the financial aspects of, it's so expensive. I learned this on, on your podcast, Brian. It's so expensive mm-hmm. to do a death penalty case that most states will not release how much it costs them to do death penalty cases. Uh, and so Correct. it costs the state more to do death penalty cases because of appeals than than life in prison. Uh, and yeah, that part blew me away. I couldn't when she said that. I, I actually had to stop her because I wanted to make sure that, that that point was driven home. That for cases that people are put to death, they're ten times more expensive than comparable cases where people are put in life behind bars. And she, I think she mentioned California. Um, it showed in just that state alone, they were 20 times more expensive. Um, so I think, and I, I, so I asked the question, I used the anecdote of saying, okay, well, let's just say, you know, there's a situation where you have someone who's done something absolutely abhorrent. And like, you know, let, let's say it was a, a child molestation ca- case. And you hear a lot of people who will make the argument saying, well, just, just, you know, go ahead, put them on the electric chair and just end it because it's going to cost more to keep them in jail. And the fact that that's not the case and it actually is 10 times more expensive to do that in lieu of keeping them in jail was just absolutely mind blowing to me. So here's something from the Foundation for Economic Education. After the death penalty was reinstated in 1976 by the Supreme Court, um, it, 552 of the 14... Uh, 1,477 executions have taken place in Texas. So nearly 30%, a little more. Um, the most liberal state since 1978 in California has spent uh, has spent over $4 billion on the death penalty. And they would save over 20, 
twenty over the next twenty years, they'd save five billion if they commuted all those on death uh, death row to life without parole. So five mm-hmm. billion dollars over the next twenty years, California would save if they converted those sentences from the death penalty to just death row life without parole. It's a lot of water, yeah. right? So, um. <laughs> The failures continue into the execution room itself as 3% of execution attempts from 1890 to 2010 were botched. Uh, Lethal injection, which has been used since 76, fails 7% of the time. Um, So people, you know, end up convulsing on the table. So even conservatives are starting to change their mind. Uh, 40 Republican lawmakers sponsored a death penalty repeal bill in 2016. Um, from the group that you interviewed. Uh, Gallup polls showed a 10% decline in Republican support for the death penalty in 2017. So they are still the biggest driver. But yeah, I think from when you listen to your interview with Hannah Cox uh, and then you read some of the other resources that I've got in the show notes that you can get if you sign up on our email newsletter or go to wearelibertarians.com or look in the show notes on your podcast app, you'll, you'll start to look at this, I think, in a different way. So I highly encourage people to check this out. Uh, Brian, any other thoughts on the death penalty or about this particular episode? So, I mean, one thing, and I think this is important for the more conservative uh, listeners who tend to to err on believing law enforcement, one part that Hannah brought up that I thought was very interesting as well is that due to it was a survey in 2009 that looked at all law enforcement and police officers and police chiefs rank the death penalty as the least effective way to reduce violent crimes. Um, so I think we, we not only need to look at this from a moral issue, but we also have to listen you know, to, to the people who are actually in charge of bringing these people in. You know, it's not working. What, what we're doing now in the, with using the death penalty, it's not working. It's making things worse. It's, it's breeding this, um, this, almost like it's a lifestyle of pain from the families of those who are wrongfully accused and then un, un, you know untimely put to death because of of you know whether it's like Terry mentioned false dna um inaccurate testimony or judges just not caring i mean one part Hannah mentioned there was a, a case where a, a judge was speaking to the the um, person who was on death row and they were complaining because their lawyer was intoxicated and the lawyer and the judge said, well, the, the Constitution gar- guarantees you the right to have a lawyer. Doesn't say they guarantee you to a sober lawyer. And I mean, that I think we, re- we really need to look at how we're approaching the system, you know, across the board and, and say you know, it's not working. It's causing more more strife. More, it's costing more money. And it's ultimately it's not humane. Um, so if, if folks are interested in learning more, obviously, please swing over to my show and, and listen to the episode. Um, it, it was aired. You know, it was just published here this past uh, Tuesday, but it's episode 28. And it's uh, Conservatives Concerned About the Death Penalty. You can also check out their website. It's uh, conservativesconcerned.org. And if you're interested in following Hannah, again, she's the national uh, manager for Conservatives Concerned About the Death Penalty. You can follow her on Twitter at HannahCox7. Um, so, yeah, thank you again, Chris, for having me on the show and uh, being able to bring this up. And, uh, you know, hopefully folks can can go and enjoy the uh, the episode and really leave the episode feeling more informed or, as I like to say, educated, enlightened, and informed. Who you got coming up this week? 
Yeah. So um, I actually, so it, this is a, a double week. Um, so I had Hannah on obviously back on Tuesday and then coming up here on Friday, um, I'm joined by the, the, the one and only Jeffrey Tucker. Um, and it was an absolutely phenomenal interview I had with Jeffrey. We started out talking about um, Trump and, and the current right left collectivism that's in America. Uh, we discussed Jordan Peterson and uh, how he is considered a quote unquote uh, alt-right killer slash educator. Uh, we discussed Trump's tariffs and uh, Trump's economic nationalism, and we discussed uh, the immigration and welfare state. Uh, and I think it was an absolutely phenomenal conversation because, I mean, Jeffrey Tucker has a, a way of just being able to break down these sometimes very hard to uh, to understand topics that can be a little complicated and nuanced and, and really explain them in an easy-to-digest way so you can walk away from the episode feeling like you, you've really had the chance to learn something and understand something in a much better way. All right, cool. Brian Nichols, The Brian Nichols Show. You can find the link to that podcast at WeAreLibertarians.com. Find it in any podcatcher, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, everywhere podcaster slang. You can find Brian Nichols and all of the We Are Libertarians Network shows. Brian, thanks for joining us here on the show. Absolutely. Chris, Harry, have a great night, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right, thanks for coming on the show, Brian Nichols. You are such a mensch. Please go download The Brian Nichols Show at WeAreLibertarians.com or in your favorite podcatcher. Such a good show, and uh, Brian is such a good guy, too, and uh, really a great Twitter follower as well. So please go check it out, follow his show, listen to some of the back episodes. I think you will be pleasantly surprised at how good he's he's getting at interviews at this point. Um, and check out, while you're there, the other We Are Libertarian shows, Boss Hog of Liberty, The Chris Spangle Show, um, Upward and Raw Audio Politics, or you can find more podcasts at libertarianpodcast.com. Uh, did did we do your final thing? Have we did we uh, wrap up with your uh, final thoughts for the episode? Or no, no, all right, no, no, no. So, all right, Harry, let's let's wrap this puppy up then. <laughs> um, my final thoughts on this whole thing. Basically, Alex Jones. If you think Alex Jones was the first one to get hit by this mob or these systems or the uh, that these companies you're wrong you're mistaken right the elders of the internet are sex workers hackers and conspiracy theorists they already went after hackers they already went dark now they went after sex workers so the conspiracy theories are next these are, we are the elders of the internet we've been here a lot longer than most of you guys have even known about the internet yeah we've grown it we've watched it it's fascinating that so many people think the internet is Google, Facebook, Apple, yeah. Twitter. Like mm-hmm. to like Sarah Zhang, that whole thing. Like to her, the internet is basically the the apps that are on her phone where she tweets. Like right. Twitter is the internet to this woman. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people like that. That's why it gets me frustrated. Someone's like, "Oh, Apple's the best computer system." Like, yeah, but all you do is Facebook. You would have did better with a Chromebox. Right. You have no idea. You it's like, what I need is what, what do you use it for? You know, unless you actually actively open up Photoshop and do something in it. Well, I need Illustrator. Okay, Chrome does that now because most people only use Illustrator and Photoshop to make maybe a simple meme or clean up red eye, you know, on a photo because you used a crappy camera. Right. But Or you're a crappy photographer. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> uh, all right. I don't have anything. I've said too much already. I'm just, I've, this feels so cathartic. I just have been sitting on this one. Uh, Harry couldn't do last night either. Uh, you're being a real pain in my ass this week. Sorry, I got sick. I'm just now getting off my <laughs> off my cold, um, and then I got the repair bill to get my house fixed. Even after a year now, 
Uh-huh. Every time you're gone, people are like, did you fire Harry? It's like, I never did fired you? anyone. I never fired anyone. Mm-hmm. Harry's mm-hmm. not going anywhere as far as I know. I do get nervous, but <laughs> he's he's uh, he's like, I'm sick. I'm like, are you mad at me? <laughs> you mad at me? You sick of my stuff? <laughs> I know I saw that text. I was like, I was getting just like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm like all drugged up. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy all right thanks to christy avery craig DeCosta, jason doolittle and brandon luke for being our 100 a month subscribers you guys are awesome thanks to all of our patrons at all the different levels we are so excited that you are partnering with us to grow this thing and if you're a patron then you get to hear our bonus content harry and i are going to have a little chat about podcast movement and some of the podcast changes so if that interests you head on over to we are sign up for the patreon and uh, you'll get instant access to the content, even though your card is charged on the first of the month. So you get free stuff before you even have to pay for it. What kind of communist country am I running over here? All right, check it out. WeAreLibertarians.com. Thanks so much for joining us, and we will see you tomorrow. I will have Johnny Rocket from the Johnny Rocket Launch, formerly the Johnny Rocket Launchpad, now blast off. Uh, his his co-host, I think her name is Ray Lynn, I don't know. and then uh, Chris Galt, and we're going to talk a little more Alex Jones, a little more about uh, building uh, his, he's got a new whole new deal going on, so we'll talk about that, we'll talk about Roger Paxton and all the bad things about him. <coughs> so so uh, thanks for joining us, and we will see you tomorrow.